Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Rabina podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. In a world that is dominated by narratives of fear, anxiety, and worry, what does it mean that joy is not dependent on outward circumstances, but on the inner state of one's heart? You've joined us in our series, Philippians, where we are exploring what Paul meant when he wrote to have joy in everything and the importance of living in unity among believers for the sake of the gospel. We pray that this message is a blessing. So we are in our um, Philippians series and my name is Anna, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet. Um, I'm the pastoral team here and I look after our young adults ministry. So uh, that retreat is coming up and I'm really excited to go away uh, with our young adults and to have that set of of recharge and refresh in the Lord. Uh, So that's coming up, as James said, in July. Uh, But in this series in Philippians, we're in... uh, chapter four at the moment. And I want to start off with a little exercise with you where I want you to think about what was a time in the last seven days, in the last week that you may have felt a little bit anxious. Maybe it was a time, you know, uh, that sense of anxiousness can present differently in different people. There could be uh, the time where you feel overwhelmed. It could be a time where uh, you feel just a bit unsettled, like there's so much to do, but you don't know what to do first and and the pace of your mind quickens. It could be uh, in a sense of where you're turning up to a social event and um, there's this this worry in you about what's it going to require of me and what are people going to think and who am I going to be able to sit with? And um, there can be that social pressure and anxiety around that. It can look like a, a myriad of different things in different people. But what I could say is that it is quite prevalent in our minds and in our world, this sense of anxiety. And and I wonder what that looks like for you this week. I want to share with you what it looks like for me. And uh, it happened in particular on Thursday morning this week, uh, where I woke up quite early and quite alert. I don't know if you have those moments where you wake up with something on your mind. And and that's for me, my mind is already stimulated, it's happening, and and there's already that maybe sense of pressure that's lurking. And um, I had what I have now called like these God wake-up calls where I wake up with a thought that is quite strange or um, an action that is prompting me to do like first thing in the morning. And like, it's still dark, it's still early. You don't wanna be awake. But on Thursday morning, I woke up to this thought. I've been prepping my sermon all day Wednesday and I had this thought, I should really check to make sure that it's kind of landing in the right way. We have a series outline where we look at um, the breakdown of this series. And and I thought, I just want to make sure I'm hitting the right things. And so I look, I open it straight away really early and I look down the the spreadsheet and to my horror, I realise that I have prepped a sermon on the complete wrong passage. And I think, it's Thursday morning. What am I going to do? And, and the panic sinks in. And I think, oh my gosh, okay, well, can I use the sermon that I've got? Does it, will they, will the team understand? Which they would. But I thought, okay, God, well, like, what is, what is the passage? And I open up to the, the correct passage and it's the words of, do not be anxious about anything. And I just thought the irony, right? Here I am, quite anxious, preaching about not being anxious. And I thought, oh God, like, 
you do have a sense of humour, don't you? And maybe actually the penny dropped where I was like, oh, I guess I should put this into practice. I guess I should actually have a go at seeing what these words and these scriptures say in order to help us through these moments of anxiousness. And so uh, it is from a place of, of nice trial this week to get into the tone of what we're preaching on this morning, what we're unpacking. And um, these, these words in scripture are actually uh, known to be the most highlighted passage of all scripture is what we're going to unpack today, which again is like no pressure. It's, it's kind of one of those things that a lot of people go to. So we're going to kind of unpack it verse by verse and, and really uh, look at what Paul is saying to the Philippian church and to us. Does that sound okay? Great. We are jumping into Philippians 4. It's going to be on the screen uh, for you as we read it together. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So that's the passages that we're, the passage that we're going to do. There's uh, verses four through nine. And um, instead of my usual nice three-point sermon that I like to do, um, today we're going to do something a little bit different. And we're going to walk through this verse by verse and, and pick out some real keywords and concepts. And in doing so, my hope and what I experienced in these last few days is in doing so, it helps it commit it to our memory. It helps us to remember not only the order, but those key thoughts throughout this passage. And what I love about when we commit Scripture to our memory is that then the Spirit of God is able to remind us of these things. And especially these words, it is helpful for us not only to remember them, but to remember them in order and to remember, okay, what is the instruction that Paul is giving in these moments when we might feel anxious? And uh, these being the most highlighted verses in Scripture, you've probably read these potentially hundreds of times. You might already know it and have committed it to Scripture. And sometimes there's a sense when we come to these familiar passages for it to feel already a little bit stale or for it to feel like, oh yes, another sermon on, on Philippians 4. Um, you may have had this kind of reaction already within you where it's like, what, what more is there to know about this? Or perhaps you're kind of new to the Bible and you're reading this for the first time and you're thrown thinking, well, how, why does it say not to be anxious? I feel anxious all the time. How do I reconcile that? And whenever we come to Scripture or anything really, there's a whole bunch of reactions that go on within us, right? We haven't even got to unpacking it and we're already got loads of thoughts. So what I want to do is just take a moment to um, recognise those reactions that have come up within each of us and just to be able to present it to God and just allow Him to do something new today. So would you join me as we pray? We're just going to take a moment to um, let the words of the Scripture sink in, but for God to open our minds. So would you join me as we pray? 
Lord Jesus, I thank You that Your Word is alive and it's active. Lord, that it shows us who You are and it helps us to live in line with You and uh, experience You afresh. So God, we come and just arrest the busyness of our mind, any distractions that might have popped up, any worries about this week. And God, will You just help us to be here right now sitting in these chairs, standing on this platform, Lord, will you help us to be here and aware of your presence? Show us something new today or remind us of a deep truth. But come and be speaking to us. We want to listen to you and hear your voice and be present with you, Jesus. Amen. So where do we start? We've... we've, already had a bunch of weeks looking through Philippians and we are in the final chapter, but there's a few things that we, uh, we want to recognise in this passage. And, and I wonder, Paul here, he's dangling something in front of us in these passages. And I wonder if you've caught it. I wonder if you've noticed what he's alluding to. He's promising something that I think is very coveted in our world. I think it's something that we long for. I think it's something we desire but I think it's something that's missing. And I think that is something that uh, if we could really capture a hold of this, I wonder what could change. He's talking about peace and the promise and the, and the instruction and the guidance around how to have peace in our lives, how to have peace rule our minds and our hearts. And that is something that I don't know about you, but is very attractive to me. I want more peace in my own life, but I want more peace in our world. And so it's a a beautiful thing that Paul is drawing us into and showing us today. And so the first verse, what do we see? Chapter, uh, verse four, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And so Paul's writing to this Philippian church He's proud of this church. He's the spiritual father of this church. And they seem to be doing a lot of things right. And he is reminding them just just moments before this verse, he's saying, hey, stand firm in what you've learnt. Stand firm in what you've experienced in our Lord Jesus. And uh, they're doing such a great work. And Paul is writing to them, not in a way to condemn them, but to encourage them. He has a very exhortative tone to his writing. He is saying, keep going. Hey, I wanna keep just pushing you in the right way, putting these lanes um, so that you keep going and don't get distracted. And I think that sometimes when it comes to this instruction in the Bible, we can hear it in a tone Uh, that is misleading. We can hear it in a tone where it's kind of angry or authoritative or um, it's kind of speaking down to us. But remember, this is him trying to bring freedom for these people in Philippi in the ways of peace. And so in these instructions, even though they are quite direct, remember the right tone. It's an encouraging tone. It's a tone to allow them to think about a different way. So he's saying rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. I wonder how your morning started off. It's the 10 a.m. You guys had a few more hours than the 8 a.m. So you've got a little bit more content to work with. But what, does it, what did it look like this morning for you to rejoice? Did you revel in God? Did you celebrate Him for who He is? 
Did you have a moment where something reminded you of Him and you were thankful that today is a fresh day, that His mercies are in fact new and that He is faithful? Were you at all like I was when I was driving here this morning at the sunrise and to recognise that that's God's handiwork? that He caused that sun to rise at just the right time with a beautiful glow around it? And did that draw you into a place of awe and wonder? I love the word revel, revel in God. Be filled with celebration. All day, every day, what does that look like to celebrate God? And there's millions of ways that we can do that. You could do that over your cup of coffee and think, God, you are the God of good gifts. You could think about that in a time where you uh, come to wake your kids up and you see them lying peacefully and you just think, oh God, thank you so much for the beautiful gift of children. Or you could be thinking just on your drive that how lucky we are to live in the Gold Coast, what a beautiful place. And even though we complain that it's cold, like it's not really. And that we get to live in this beautiful part of the world. What does it mean for you to rejoice in the Lord? And I don't think that this was rocket science for the Philippian church. I don't think that he was saying, hey, this is a brand new idea. How about you rejoice in the Lord? And he's not needing to say why it's important. He's just stating it twice, in fact, just to do it. And I think that it's because we need the reminder, not necessarily the reason why, we just need the reminder to do it. Because is not our God worthy of our praise and our adoration? Is God not worthy of us celebrating Him and recognising that we have such beautiful gifts from Him? And so there's the reminder here to say, hey guys, remember, rejoice. And it's important to remember, this is like the first step when He's talking to peace here and that promise of finding peace. He's saying, remember to start with rejoicing. Whatever our circumstance, even in the the darkest of days, there's always the glimmer of light in our Lord. So our encouragement is to find that, to start with rejoicing. The next step, he says, okay, we're here, rejoice in the Lord always. And then second, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. This one's maybe not as straightforward. We get it, okay, rejoice, we need the reminder. We've plenty of ways to do that, like I mentioned. But now he's talking about gentleness and he's saying that the Lord is near. And I think a misinterpretation of these verses is to read these kind of sentences and say, okay, this is behaviour. I need to be gentle. I need it to be evident to everybody around me. I need to be on my best behaviour because the Lord is near. He's watching over my back. He's putting the pressure on. I need to be a good ambassador. And I say, how does that bring you to a place of peace? I don't know about you, but that kind of pressure or that kind of needing to just be on my best behaviour, it doesn't bring me to a place where I feel comfortable or secure. It makes me feel on edge and it actually draws me into that more place of anxiousness rather than peace. So that doesn't sound quite right. So what are those verses really meaning? That your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. I think with gentleness, it's a hard word for us to really um, fully understand because we kind of see it just as a maybe personality trait or a demeanour where it's like you're soft and you're gentle and you're well-spoken. But what else could gentleness mean? I think that being gentle is also like being wise in what we, in what we say and what we allow um, to actually pause and to let someone else say. I think gentleness is being, being okay with not having the final word not winning the argument, 
not needing it to go your way, not defending your point of view. Sometimes being gentle is allowing someone else that space, even if you don't agree. And that's hard. Being gentle is very hard, but it's a reserved strength. It's not a weakness. Gentleness is a, is a strength. And why is it important that then it follows up with the Lord is near? Why is the reminder there? Because I think when we are gentle and we allow people to uh, have the final say or to kind of say something we disagree with or to allow us to just remain silent and listen, we're reminded that the Lord is near and that He actually has the final say. We have been given permission to be gentle and to be able to leave things as they are not to be void of responsibility, but to have the wisdom to know when to just let things go. We're able to do that because we have the security of the presence of God. He is the one who will ultimately have the final word and we're allowing Him to step in with His power and to defend Himself in those moments. And so the Lord is near is not about Him breathing down your back and you needing to be on your best behaviour. The Lord is near is remembering that He has your back that you're able to be safe, you're able to be gentle. Uh, It's a permission thing here, letting God be in control of what He needs to be and us being gentle in those moments. There's a beautiful taking the pressure off, not putting it on. We can breathe easy. We can feel affirmed. There is a, a safety knowing that our Lord is near. So we're rejoicing. We're allowing ourselves to be gentle because we're reminded of the goodness of God being close and and the security found in Him. And then what does it say next? Verse six, here we are, the crown and jewel. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Sometimes I daydream about these verses. What would it actually mean for us not to be plagued with this anxiety that grips our world? Imagine if I asked at the beginning, hey, think of a time in the last seven days this week when you were anxious and you thought, oh, I've got nothing. I was at peace all day, every day. And if that was you, I'd say, for starters, you're actually in the minority, unfortunately, in that sense. You're in the minority because anxiety grips our world, especially our younger generations coming through. It is a fact that that is one of the most Uh, prevalent experiences in our younger generations to be plagued with anxiety. That should break our heart, but it is a reality. And so we want to speak into this space and see, oh, actually, hello, the Bible has some things to say in this as well. And so when we read, okay, don't be anxious, not only is he saying, it's he's, he's saying, when you are anxious, this is what I want you to do. It's not condemning you for having anxious thoughts. He's not condemning you for having anxiety. You don't need to think, okay, don't be anxious. I mustn't be anxious. It's more of a saying when you are anxious, when you have anxious thoughts pop up, when there's this experience going on with you that you are uh, feeling plagued by anxiety, I want to offer you something in this space. It's like when the angels came and they said, don't be afraid. It wasn't like, okay, I mustn't be afraid. I can't be afraid. It was like, hey, you're, you're afraid. I can see that, but you don't have to be. You're anxious, I can see that, but you don't have to be. So so what's offered here? 
I used to think uh, coming to these verses, I would, whenever I'd have a moment of feeling anxious, I'd think, oh my gosh, I'm a Christian. I can't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And then you get anxious about not being anxious. And then it's a vicious cycle. And you're like, this verse doesn't work. Um, but why doesn't it work? I think that in that sense, it's like emotions don't work that way, right? It's not like you can just say, okay, don't feel that. And then you're like, ta-da, that worked, tick. I'm a good Christian. (laughs) No, in that sense, it's like we actually need to learn in this moment, what, what is Paul saying when you're feeling anxious? Why does he say then with prayer and petition, present your requests with, to God with thanksgiving? Why is that the case? And I think that when we recognise that we're feeling anxious, it's good because we're allowing us to sit in that thought. We're, allowed, we're actually identifying it first, which is helpful. Um, but then that prayer moment is us drawing near. I love what the psalmist says. The psalmist in Psalm 139 says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I think having good self-awareness and having an in, being in tune with our emotions is very important. It is not counter to the Christian experience. It is deeply woven in it. And here we get an example of what does it, what does it look like to pray in moments of anxiousness? And the psalmist here is saying, I invite God into those deep and vulnerable places. Sometimes it's, it's easy to think, okay, my emotions, I just need to move through them. Or I just need to take it and then just ignore it or take it and then just push it down and pretend it's not happening. And I love what Disney actually did with this whole mindset of of emotions and how our minds work. And I wonder if you've seen this movie. There's a movie called Inside Out. And what Disney did is they personified or gave this character to each of the main emotions in our mind and and showed us on our day-to-day what actually happens in our minds, right? And so there's these characters that represent the different emotions and there's this little girl and she's just going about her day and there's this one scene in particular that I remember where she's at school and she has this moment where she feels quite alone, and she's filled with sadness. And you see the blue one here, that's sadness. And so it's, it's sadness's time to shine in this, in this mindset play. And what happens in this moment is that there's a wrestle between the emotions. She's at school, she's sad, she's feeling lonely. And Joy, the yellow one, thinks, oh, okay, she can't possibly feel sad, not even for a second, so I need to quickly flood her with joy. Don't allow her to feel sad. And there's this beautiful Um, progression where it's saying actually it's okay to sit in that emotion for a bit and to move through it to acknowledge it search me and know me God show me my anxious thoughts to acknowledge it to sit in it and to process it and what happens in inside out is that joy this yellow one here doesn't quite understand how that's going to work how can the, the blue be present in sadness and it turn to joy. But we do see that when emotions are actually handled well, not, not just pushed down, not just don't be anxious, push it down, but experienced and inviting God into that space. And we see promises all throughout the Bible where He turns our mourning into dancing, where there will be joy in the morning. It will come, but it's okay to sit in it. And so I think what Paul is saying here is saying, hey, when when you're feeling anxious, come to the Lord with prayer. 
And prayer, it's interesting that he separates prayer and petition. So what's the prayer part? I think it's exactly what the psalmist did. It's saying, go deeper with me and draw closer to me. Allow me into that very vulnerable space. Search me and know me. Know my anxious thoughts. How can we trust God into that space? I think that we can trust him into that space because in this in particular passage, we've already rejoiced and remembered who he is. We've celebrated his character. We've acknowledged that he is a God who gives good gifts. He's faithful. He is just. He is trustworthy. We remember that he is near, that he is not distant, but he is close. I think we can then move into that place of prayer, of intimacy and say, hey, God, I want to invite you into this place. I'm feeling anxious. Don't know what to do with it. But can you come? Prayer here is intimacy. And then he says, and with petition. So what's that? He's saying, okay, so we've drawn close to God. We've gone close and deep with God. And now we're able to say, hey, God, I need you to do something. I don't know what to do, but I need you to do something. I need you to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. I need you to show me your perspective here because I can't see it. I need you to calm my mind because it's a whirlwind. I need you to say peace to the storm of my life. We ask God to come and be God. And we do that all with thanksgiving because we remember who He is. And that thanksgiving piece isn't trite. It's not saying, oh yes, but now I must remember to be thankful. Even though this is all horrific and I'm feeling very anxious and there's a lot of storms, but oh yes, thank you God that you brought me into the storm because I'm gonna learn something. It's not that. It's reminding us that we're, who we're talking to. We're thankful that we're talking to this God who is in control. We're talking to a God who can see us, who cares about us, who has empathy for us. That's where the thanksgiving comes from. It's remembering who He is. And then what happens? It says this, present your request to God and we turn up to uh, verse seven and it says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this peace of God, it is a person, it is Jesus. And what I love is that that word guard, for me, actually has a very visual effect. I picture, and it might be wacky, but I picture that the peace of God, which goes beyond my understanding, I can't wrap my head around it, it acts like a force field over my mind and over my heart. And that force field, it guards it from the darts of anxiety, of doubt, of worry, of fear. All those things that come shooting in, it guards me against those. And it protects my thoughts and it protects my emotions. John 14, Jesus gives us these beautiful words where He says, peace is actually a gift that I'm going to give you. It says this, Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's Jesus' promise to us. That is actually His peace that transcends all understanding. That acts as a guard of our hearts and our minds. That gives me a great set of assurance. And finally, and you're probably thinking finally, He closes with this. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of these such things. 
Again, this isn't about controlling our mind or needing to be on our best behaviour and only thinking of these certain things. It's about feeling empowered to be able to choose some thoughts over the others. There's a great, uh, oh, my, what's it called? Psychologist. Oh my gosh, blank. Um, there's an incredible psychologist and I love that we have access to incredible counsellors and psychologists to help us with these things as well. Uh, they have this great metaphor when it comes to our thoughts. And I want, to pitch, I want you to picture for a moment that you have uh, chosen to go to sushi train for lunch. And you are there and you're sitting down and, and picture that your mind is the chef that is putting together all these dishes and putting them on the train. And what happens is in this metaphor is that there's this, this idea that your thoughts are actually all those thoughts that are on a train. And some of the thoughts are very pleasing. Salmon and avocado, katsu chicken. There's teriyaki chicken in there. Um, so there's the, the ones that are appealing. And then there's the ones that are not appealing. And it's like, is that chicken or eel? Is that sea urchin? Like, ugh, no uh, judgment if you like that stuff. Um, but... There's those, those thoughts that maybe aren't that appealing. And then there's some that are just neutral. The, the good old faithful, just avocado or just cucumber. But there's this sense that your thoughts, they're just going along the train. And you can't help necessarily what thoughts are on that train, but you do have power to take certain ones off and put them down in front of you. And so there might be a time where you have these thoughts come along the train of your mind and you can feel empowered to choose what is pure, to choose what is admirable, to choose what is praiseworthy, what is excellent. Those are the things that you are able to take off the train and to enjoy. And you can just let the other ones pass you by. You have that power through the Holy Spirit because was it said not that we do not have a spirit of fear, but we have one of a sound mind. And that self-discipline and sound mindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that we are empowered to be able to do those. Is it easy? No. But are we able to with the wisdom and the help of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Think about those such things. It's a, it's a replacement of taking those anxious thoughts that do pop up and replacing them with whatever is true, good, noble, excellent. Paul is very strategic in that order, right? He's saying, yes, when you feel anxious, go to prayer and petition. But then remember to think about uh, your thoughts and be empowered in that. The final thing that I love is verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or even seen in me, put into practice and the, peace, and the God of peace will be with you. Put it into practice, do something with it. That was my reminder Thursday morning when I'm panicking, oh, I should actually do something with these verses, give it a go. Put it into practice, not just theory. These are beautiful instructions in what we should do when we do feel anxious. It's okay, but we're not left in the dark with it. We're given instruction on how to navigate it. Put it into practice. What does it look like for you this week to rejoice? What does it look like for you to exercise gentleness, knowing God is right next to you, able to uh, help you and be secure and give you permission in those moments? 
What does it look like when you are feeling anxious to invite God in and say, search my heart? Know me, God. Help me to identify what's going on in my spirit here. Feeling uneasy. What does it look like for you to then lean in with with prayer and, and asking God to be God and being thankful that He is able to step in? What does it look like for that God to come upon you that transcends all understanding, that peace, protect your mind, to protect your heart? What does it look like for you to take every thought captive and to make her obedient to Christ Jesus, to acknowledge the thoughts and to to be intentional with what you invest in? What does it look like for you to put this into practice this week? And that last sentence, the God of peace is with you. We read just a few verses ago that the peace of God will come, but now we have the God of peace to be with you. I finished with this last story where um, I was invited a couple of, this was a long time ago, um, but I was invited to a wedding where I recognised as I got there that the only person I knew was the bride. And I wonder if you've been in an environment, maybe as a work conference and you only knew the speaker or there was a birthday party and you only knew the birthday boy or there's this experience where you recognise, great. This is not going to be easy. And I was in this moment where I was like, I just wish that there's just like, you just, if you have that go-to person, you feel safe. You feel like, okay, I can sit down and I've got someone in my corner. And maybe that's a, a parent or a spouse or a friend for you. Um, but what I love about in these verses is they're saying above all, let me finish with this. The God of peace is with you. The God of peace is in your corner. The God of peace is your safety net. The God of peace is your buddy. He is there. And that is so reassuring to know that if we forget all the other stuff, (laughs) remember that the God of peace, Jesus, is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He cares about you. He has compassion towards you. He is with you. Jesus was known as the Prince of Peace. And He is with us. And I want to ask the question today, do you know that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is with you and longs to be with you? And you might uh, not have invited Jesus into your life yet. And today you're thinking, gosh, that sounds like a promise I would love. I'd love to know I'm not alone. I'd love to know that anxiousness doesn't have to rule me. I'd love to know that actually Peace is accessible and it's accessible through a relationship with Jesus. And I want to create a moment just now where we can uh, invite those of you who are wanting to take that step with Jesus, take that step towards peace, take that step towards the person of Jesus and invite Him into your life. And this is a special moment for anyone who wants to do this. Um, there's, there's no pressure. <laughs> we just spoke for the last half an hour about anxiety. This is not an anxiety-inducing moment. This is a moment to receive one of the best gifts ever. And so if you're here this morning or perhaps you're joining us online and you'd like to experience the Prince of Peace, Jesus Himself, we want to create opportunity for that. So if that's anyone in the room and you would like to invite Jesus into your heart and just go on a journey of discovery of who He is and what He has done for you in this life, would you like to raise your hand if you'd like to receive Jesus for the first time? 
again, this isn't wanting to invoke anxiety. This isn't a pressure moment. It's just an opportunity. If you'd like to receive Jesus this morning for our online community, thank you. Is anyone else? Just pop your hand up so I know who I'm praying with. Yeah, awesome. Anyone else? Cool. I also recognise, because it's on topic, that may have been too big a step for you to take to put your hand up if you're feeling quite nervous. And that's okay. You're still included in this prayer. Does it work? Yes, of course it does. It's not about that. This is a moment where we get to celebrate with you and take this step with you and alongside you to walk towards Jesus and to invite Him into your life. Uh, So if you are wanting to make that commitment, but you didn't put your hand up, that's okay. Still pray with us, please. Know that this is still a moment, a special moment where you're inviting Jesus into your life. Um, And if you did put your hand up, we'll have section leaders uh, come and give you a Bible and just to say, hey, this is a great place to start and to pray with you or answer any questions that you have. So know that uh, if someone approaches you after the service and gives you a Bible, that's why. They just saw you pop your hand up and wanna celebrate with you. But hey church, how about we pray uh, this prayer together and acknowledge that this is something that every day we wanna do. But it's particularly special for those who are just wanting to take that step towards Jesus. So I'm gonna say a few words and then you repeat after me um, and say it in your heart. So Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I'm sorry for the times I've ignored you. Please come into my heart now and show me how to live. I want to follow you. Be my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.